Now, if you haven't noticed, America has been taken by a coup. How many of you know that? It's happened. It's been going on for a long time. But it's happened, and we must resist. I don't care. People may call me crazy. They've been calling me crazy. People have been telling me for years, quit talking about the end of the age. Well, I wonder if they're still repeating that song today. Because we're living one of the two things. Number one, either we're at the end of the end of the age, or we're heading into some troubled waters, and so we better build the people up. They better be strong in this hour. And those who watered down the gospel, they refused to say the things that Jesus said God's going to hold him accountable. You know one of the greatest judgments that's going to happen, the judgments when the judgment day? You know, I could preach on this could be great too because you're going to be judged for every idle word you said. I heard some people judge. I'm telling you, I'm not going to go into detail, but I heard some of the cruelest, most foul judgments and criticisms coming from so-called believers. It made me sick, and I wonder... Jesus, did it make you sick? Have you vomited them out of your mouth yet? Because he's going to. One of the greatest judgments is going to be what? Against the watchman. 
Do you know the price watchmen will pay for failing to warn the people that they see the sword coming? It's not going to be a pretty sight. I'm not going there. I'd rather the Lord tell me on that day, you went a little bit overboard rather than you missed it. Because if you miss it, you will be, there will be a strict judgment. So anyway, America's been taken by a coup we must resist. The only thing worse than our dying in a civil war is our living and watching our children live in slavery. It's far worse. Because God will hold us accountable. Listen, there have always been people all through history that have given their lives for generations to come. And we need people today that will be willing to give their life, lose their reputation. They would have good company. Jesus became of no reputation so that he would do the Father's will. And then, you know, we're living in a time there have been bioweapons. I believe with all my heart we have been a victim of a bioweapon. This disease, we know they are using it as a tactic of fear and division. Oh, by the way, I, Rodney tweeted this morning. I have to repeat, he's a good friend of mine. Now, you better check your turkey because there's going to be a little camera on your turkey that's going to flip up. And if you don't have, if you have too many people sitting around your table, they're going to alert the officials and they're going to come and arrest you. Anyway, but it's a cruel disease. It's a cruel. You read about what it does. It's horrible. And so we understand the realness of it. Shirley's father passed away. It's unbelievable. But you know also there's a psychological warfare that's been levied against America. How many of you know that? Now can I talk about these things? Some people don't want to hear it, so they left. So they're going to live it and wish they had remained, I'm telling you. Because they're going to wonder, what are we supposed to do now? Well, the Lord will be merciful. But anyway, there's a psychological ops. It's going on. If you, I don't know much about it. I just know it's happening. If I had been in special forces, I would know exactly. Oh, and by the way, did you see where the president mustered all the special forces out of the different departments and made them their own department? I'm just telling you guys, there, there are things coming, and we're going to have to be strong. But did not the Lord know that we would be alive in this hour? He knew that. He's gotten us ready. God is a God of war. He's a man of war. And you know, I'm so glad we had that conference. I mean, it looked like all hell has broken out since we had that conference. You know, but I'm just thinking it's worth it. You know, I hate seeing people sick. I just despise it. I don't understand, and I'm praying for healing. But I'm so glad we had that conference on the wars of the Lord because I'm reminded they're the wars of the Lord, and we're going to need. Now, i got to show you a couple scriptures up. Isaiah 22, then I'm going to get to the second part. You guys still with me? Nobody's leaving. You're not saying, man, I didn't come to church to hear this. Well, I wouldn't have talked about it had me not woke me up at 4.30. This is not my message. I'm not preaching to make myself feel good. 
He tells me what to say, I'm going to say it. I don't care if they all go home. I'm not going to stand before them. I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to give an account before the living God one day for what I said and what I did with what he gave me. But anyway, Isaiah 22, I'm going to show you what our God's going to do. It says this, there came a day, now you don't have to go there, I'm going to show you something else, that God removed the protection, he removed the covering of Judah because of their sin. And it says that they looked everywhere for help, but the only place where they would really find it. They didn't look to God. And it says in verse 11 of Isaiah 22, you can read that later, it says, but you Judah did not look to its maker. Nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. Now that was then. This is now. I believe there's a remnant looking to the Lord. I believe there's a remnant calling out to him. I do not think it was light that all those people showed up in Washington, D.C. before the election. I believe God honored that. Franklin Graham and you know, Jonathan Kahn, I believe these men were called of God to gather the saints. And I believe many are calling on him in this hour. I believe that many are turning to the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you something over in Isaiah 17. And then I'm going to get to the other part of the message. But, man, I've been stumbling over scriptures. I, I said that the other night on, you know, Wednesday night when we're doing this prayer watch on video that I stumbled across this. But, you know, really, we're not stumbling across. The Holy Spirit's directing us. He wants us to know what he's saying in this hour. He's going out of his way in order that we would do his will and know what is thus saith the Lord. But anyway, over in Isaiah 17 and verse 12, woe to the multitude of people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of many waters. And that's exactly what's happening today. Many are thundering. There's a lot of noise going on. The word noise and thundering means a commotion, a turmoil, confusion. The hordes of hell or the armies of hell are making a commotion right now in the earth. How many of you know that's true? You can turn on CNN if you, have, if you really want to do that, but I wouldn't advise you to. But the commotion. I'm not even watching Fox anymore. I'm not going to watch it. Because everything that can be shaken has been shaken, and I've found out who Fox really serves. They do not serve the same God I serve. Now, maybe some of them still do that are working there for now. But I'm going to look to God's word for the answers. And there's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of turmoil and confusion and noise. But look what God's going to do. Can I show you this? I'm prophesying this. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters. But, say but. But God will rebuke them. God is going to have the final word here. I'm telling you. CNN will not have the final word. ABC will not have the final word. No politician is going to have the final word. But God will rebuke them, and they will flee far away and be chased like the shaft of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling 
thing before the whirlwind. And then if you look in verse 14, it really gets interesting. It says that this is their portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob from us. There's robbery going on in the nation, the robbery going on in the houses of God today. And God's going to plunder the plunderers. And he's going to rob from those that have robbed from us. I'm just saying, thus saith the Lord, you can, uh, you can ignore that if you want. But I'm looking for a big God in this hour. You know, you would think I'd be afraid of all this stuff coming down the pipe. I'm not afraid. How many of you? Are you anybody afraid? You wouldn't be here this morning. I promise you. Now, not everyone that stayed home is afraid and feared. They're being wise and caught. Maybe they're on the roof this morning. But they're not going to stay on the roof forever. You stay on the roof forever, you're going to miss out on the greatest outpouring, the greatest downfall, the greatest move of God the world's ever known. I'm telling you, you're going to miss out. You ain't gonna, so you're not going to miss out. I'm, we're gonna, if you stay on the roof too long, we're going to come after you. If we can't climb up there... We'll throw something at you and knock you off the roof. You got to get in the water. You got to get in. Does that make sense? Some of you are saying, okay. Well, the title of this message is Conquerors Over the Sufferings of This Present Age. How many of you want to leave now? You can if you want to. But you better take the word with you. And you better be in the word. Let me repeat that title. Conquerors over the sufferings of this present age. Now understand, this is not a woe is me message. We're not going to preach woe is me messages. Sometimes it may appear, but we eventually get to the wow is God part. And this is really a wow is God message. Do you hear me? It's wow, God, wow. This is going to be the day that we're going to be in awe of who God is. Anybody? Yeah, you're with me. You know, the scripture says, now thanks be to God who sometimes leads us to triumph in Christ. Is that what it says? No. Now thanks be to God who always, always leads us to triumph. I got to read this some from this book that I, Linda gave me. It's my, one of my heroes, uh, Mario Morello. And uh, he's been around forever. You know, I mean, I remember him when I was much younger. I don't know how he looks so young. But in this book, I think this is, speaks to where we're going as a church in these days. It's a follow-up to John 20, 21. He said, did you ever wonder why God isn't doing something? Can I just read for a moment? You see America being torn apart, battered into submission, and molded into some ugly, weak version of her former self, all in the name of progress. When the moral bottom of society becomes the loudest voices of influence, shouldn't God act? I believe he is acting, but it is happening in a wholly unexpected way. God is at war to save our nation. Did you hear that? So he talked about wars and rumors of wars. This is one of the wars. God is at war to save our nation. 
And the real question is, are you ready to understand what your assignment is? In a last-ditch effort to save America, God will pour out His Spirit. Many small churches will become ground zero for the glory of God. I like that part. I underlined that part. This event will not be painless. Wicked agendas will topple. False doctrines will die in an early death due to the healthy appetite of young converts. Church empires will be given the ultimatum, return to dependency on the Holy Spirit or suffer total loss. Now, saving a nation in our condition can't be painless or comfortable. The kind of moral awakening God prescribes for us must be messy and glorious. Messy? You know, is that not what the day of the Lord is? It's the great and the terrible day of the Lord. Messy and glorious at the same time. Let me read a little bit more, and then I want to get back to this message. He says, after 50 years of ministry, I've seen every doctrinal float in the parade. I've witnessed a new generation getting thrilled by the newness of something that has come along. And you know that still happens today. The new thing draws the people. Rather than Jesus, they run after the new anointing. Just like we saw in Matthew chapter 24. He said, one float has lingered way too long. The spiritual entitlement float. Can I read that? Can I say that again? The spiritual entitlement. Why do we come to church? To get God, give me this, give me that. I want this, I want that. No. Why do we go? To give ourselves to him. To worship him. Holy, solely, abandoned. And then he throws us from the roof into the waters where the people are drowning. Now those under the spell of these conditions, this entitlement, because entitlement permeates the the American church at least. And what it does, it produces ingratitude, boredom, and denial. He says, suggest to them the possibility of America's destruction and they will cry out sacrilege. Suggest the church slept through America's downfall or worse and that she was complicit in her undoing and they will yell out blasphemy. But now America's sinking and suffocating in a mire of God-hating ideologies. The forces on the left now seem capable of taking the law into their own hands with impunity. So what is God going to do about it? Since America was a miracle from the beginning and the teachings of Jesus influenced our creation, God will not let America die without a mounting and astounding counterattack. And he called it the God, the God sinned. And I believe that's where we are. There is a counterattack being mounted. How many of you are all in? Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us to triumph in Christ. Now, back to the title of that message. Why would you preach a message like that? There are two things that we see in that. Actually, three things. Number one, there will be sufferings in this present age. This present age means what? This present age. Secondly, there will be overcomers. There will be conquerors. 
in this present age. We don't need to be labeled a conqueror in the age to come. We need to be conquerors now. That's what it says. And then, this present age, we just need to point that out, that God has put something in us that will enable us to overcome here with our eye fixed on what yet will come, eternity. He stamped eternity in our heart. Now the subject of persecution and suffering, it for a large degree has been left out of the Western church, but not the church around the world. And now there's some amazing teachers and preachers in America. How many of you know that? And I'm thankful for all of them. But you know, we have to remember, Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we need three things to avoid destruction. How many of you think it's a good idea if you would avoid destruction? So number one, you need the word, the knowledge of the word, right? And then number two, the knowledge of his will. You will only find his will if you're walking in his word. Does that sound right? And then three, the knowledge of his ways. How is God moving? How is he working? That will only come if you know the, you're in the will of God and you're walking in the word of God. Now, the definition of suffering, according to Webster's. I don't know if you can trust Google anymore because they change. They want you to look at what they want you to look at. But Webster's, is far, it's kind of one of the older dictionaries. Maybe there's still some truth, but what it means is to submit or to be forced to endure something that you would rather had, it, had not had to go through. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Labor under, undergo, experience something painful. Uh-oh, painful. Painful. From something that is inevitable or unavoidable to endure death the process, pain, or distress, or to sustain loss. You guys still with me? That's just the definition. Now, the Bible has much to say about the subject of suffering, and we need to know what the Bible says. We need to be firm standing in the truth of God's Word. Many people will avoid this subject like the plague. And when the plague comes, the people under them will be subjected to the plague. Does that make sense to you? That's why Jesus warned us, false prophets are coming. They're going to be right under your nose and you won't even know it. He says that. Well, God's going to use suffering in our lives and suffering in the earth to bring about his ultimate purpose. Say his ultimate purpose. How many of you are confident God's purposes will not be thwarted regardless of what men are up to in this hour? It ain't going to happen. God says, as I have purposed, so shall it be. As I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And we got to be walking in that too. Now, a couple of scriptures. 1 Thessalonians, look at this, 1 Thessalonians. Then we're going to go back to Romans. So actually, we're going to go to Romans. We haven't even got there yet. Say, I'm with you. You better be, because if you're not, I'm in a heap of trouble this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, look, it says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, 
They came to the end of themselves. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. How many of you think it's a good idea to be established and encouraged? So what's he talking about? Well, look at the next verse. This will establish you that no one should be what? Shaken or moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are what? Appointed to this. The word appointed means destined or to be situated or to be set in place for the afflictions. Verse 4. For in fact, we told you before. We told you. Before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it has happened, and you know. And then he goes on and explains more. He's encouraged by Timothy who came. But the first thing about suffering is part of our calling. Say, my calling. You want to know your calling. Everybody wants to know their calling. It should begin with the call to suffer for him. Uh-oh, to stay with me. Concerning our faith. Encourage concerning the faith. All right? Two things. First Peter, go to First Peter. This I'm encouraged because you're supposed to preach the word. You're supposed to. I, I have no other calling. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, beloved, now I have to repent, because I've been telling people, man, these are crazy days. There's a lot of strange things going on. Well, the Lord set me straight. Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some crazy thing has happened to you, or some strange thing. If you look back over in chapter 1, One in verse 7, he tells you the reason for these afflictions and these things are the grieved by various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, the genuineness of your faith, though it is tested by fire, may be found in the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is being revealed in the hour, and there will be a people that will be revealed in him. And th- I'm going to show you, there's more. There's a lot more. Now back to that verse, 1 Peter chapter 4. Don't think it's strange. Now verse 13 is something. Now I heard this preached in my younger days, but you don't hear a lot of it today. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. What did it say? Moaning, groaning, complain. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Do you see that? Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. How many of you want him to be glorified? 
Well, look what it says. This is how he gets glory. But then verse 15 reminds us, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other people's matters. Don't claim you're suffering the the sufferings of Christ if you're doing something you shouldn't do. That's what he says. Yet, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Again, let me ask you, how many of you want God to be glorified? I hope you make this connection. And then in verse 17, I'm telling you, this opens up a whole new can of worms. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Now that's going to have to wait for another day. But there's a whole new unfolding of revelation in that verse if you take it in the context of where it's spoken. Now look at verse 19. Therefore let those who suffer according to the what? The will of God. The will of God. What do they do? Commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Well, there's a lot of stuff there. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 8. This is probably, and I know Manassas has been teaching on this downstairs. Manassas, next week you need to give us, you need to be one of the speakers next week and give us a synopsis, okay, of all the things you've been teaching on this subject. And probably some things are repeated, but some things... This subject is vast. As my friend Rodney would say, it's vast. Vast. Is that the way you say it? Vast. And the water. I tell you, I appreciate Rodney Howard Brown. You start getting down, just read one of his tweets. Like this morning. Make sure you check your turkey. Because they're going to be looking at you. And who's sitting around your table. I appreciate that. You've got to have a little fun. You know, we're, listen, we're to be drawing water out of the wells of salvation. You know, there are a lot of wells. They've been capped too long. We're going to uncap those wells. The, the stranger it gets out there, the more joy it ought to be in here. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's going to drive them actually bananas when they see us laughing all along the way. Okay, Romans chapter 8. We better get into this. There's no way I'm going to finish this. I'm going to finish it here, but I'm not going to do this in 30 minutes. So it's going to have to be a part one and part two for our friends overseas in all of these countries. I couldn't squeeze this in if I had to. It ain't going to happen. But I'm going to do my best. Okay, let's read. Romans chapter 8. As many as are led by the Spirit. I'm going to show you this morning what it means to be led by the Spirit. Many have taken that out of context. If you're led by the Spirit, you're a son of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. Father, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, if you're one of the sons of God or not. 
And if children, then heirs, your heir of God, and join heirs with Jesus. Now here's a clincher. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Did you see that? If indeed we suffer with him, so that we might be glorified again. How many of you want God to get glory? How many of you want to walk in glory? All right, let's read. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of who? The sons of God. The sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God. And all of creation is waiting. Because, verse 21, the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation is groaning with labors, birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit to the Spirit, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. You don't need perseverance if everything you hope for is already before you. Likewise, the Spirit helps. Thank God for the helper. We're going to get to this. The Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Now he who searches the hearts and the minds of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now verse 28. And we know, say we know. That all things work together for good. For good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined and conformed to be the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he called. Verse 31. What then shall we say for these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Does anybody have an eraser? We need to take that part out. I don't like take that out. Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. For it is written for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, say these things. Do you know most people wanted to be the conquerors without reading what these things were? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Now, what does the Bible say? I might be able to do this in a quick amount of time. I'll go quickly. You guys with me? What does Romans say about suffering? Number one, we suffer in order that we might, put it this way, whatever suffering we might endure in this life will not even begin to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in and through us. It says in us, but it has to be through us because also the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth just like the water covers the sea. If he's revealed, his glory is revealed in us, then the next step of the story is his glory will be revealed through us. Is that not correct? Because this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world before the end comes. You know, I'll look at this later. But you gotta, you got to read the book of Habakkuk. Do you know the context of Habakkuk? I'll tell you, since you asked me. The book of Habakkuk, he's ministering during the death throes of the nation of Judah. And the nation was repeatedly called to repentance. But time and time again, they refused, and they killed those whom God sent to lead them to repentance. So Habakkuk, knowing the stubbornness of his countrymen, he cries out, he says, God, how long? How long will this rebellion, how long will the wickedness go on? God, how long will you not answer? When are you going to rise up, O God? And God tells Habakkuk, he says, That he will use, here's what he said in the book of Habakkuk. Now, remember the Bible says whatever was written beforehand was written for what? Our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. So we should look at these things as our example. So God says that he will use the Babylonians as his chastening rod. Remember that. And then he speaks to his people. He said, tell the people, Habakkuk, This is the time they cannot live by sight. If they live by sight, they will not make it. They must live by faith. The just will live by faith. And in the midst of the book of Habakkuk, there's a verse that sticks out that I have always wondered about. And that's chapter 2, verse 14. You remember what it says. We quoted it. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth just like the water covers the sea. So there's a twofold thing going on. There's judgment against wickedness. He's calling the people to walk by faith and not by sight because they have a mission. They have a mission, and that mission is yet the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. In other words, God is going to wage war against the the wickedness by revealing his glory all over the earth. Every nation on the earth is going to experience the glory of God in this hour. No nation will be left out. They tell us we're speaking to over 200 nations to this day. I can prophesy to you. I don't know if I'm going to get there or not. I don't know how that's going to work. But I prophesy the glory of the Lord is coming to your land. You're going to see a representation of not just about Jesus, but who Jesus is. And I tell you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same, and he's going to show himself to your nation. Habakkuk is an amazing book. 
God's ultimate purpose was to bring, reveal the glory of the Lord. And he's going to, now look in verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. They say they're not worthy. They are not worthy. In other words, whatever we go through, it will not even begin to compare with what is to come. Does that make sense? We got to look at it that way. On the scale of 1 to, to 100, whatever you face in this hour is like on a 1. Now, to you, it's 100. You asked Shirley. It was 100 to have to go through what we went through with her father. It was 100 plus. But whatever we go through in this life is like a 1 compared to the glory that shall be revealed. That's the 100. It's the presence of God. Okay. The end result of the suffering for the saint is glory. And then number two, look in verse 19 through verse 25. The sufferings in this present age points to our waiting and our hoping. Waiting for a season and our hoping for things we do not see. Did you hear that? If if, If what you hope for you already see, then you don't have any reason to hope. Hope, faith, hope, and love are pretty big in God's eyes. And we're going to walk in all of them in this day. And he gives us an example that all of creation is waiting. In verse 19, what are they waiting for? The revealing of the sons of God. Those, the sons of God, are those who bear witness. They have paid the price. They're suffering with him. And they're revealing the glory of God regardless of what they've gone through. And all of creation is waiting for this, the real sons of God to be raised up in this hour. I'm telling you, justice is going to come. Justice is going, I could, boy, you, maybe next week. There's a whole bunch of scriptures on God's justice. And I want to shout it louder Maybe somebody will stumble across this that needs to see it. But I'm telling you, God's justice is coming. But there's a time of waiting. What are we going to do in the meantime? We're going to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to fight. I will fight for my granddaughter's freedom. I love her more. I will count my life. There's no greater love than this, than one would lay down his life. And Jesus set that example. But we're going to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Not by sight. So you might as well cover up our eyes. Because we're not going to live by what we see. We're going to live by what God said. All right, the third thing. We got to get back to the scripture. Verse 25 But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. In other words, suffering in this present age demands that we persevere. You know that scripture over Matthew 24, but he who endures to the end. Some people want to take that part out. I'm not saying that that leads to salvation. People have said, well, you mean if you drop out at the last moment of the moment. I mean, you've had all you can take, and you just say, God, I can't take anymore. 
No, he's not a cruel taskmaster. He's going to show up for you in that moment greater than what you have ever realized. But there's an enduring to see the promises of God. There's persevering in the midst of the flame. Whether we are delivered or not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I am not going to bow down to your idols. We got to have that attitude. God will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, my faith is not in the fact that he delivers me or not. My faith is in the fact that he is God and he never fails. His word is true. And I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And I'm going to endure in my faith. The just shall live by faith. We'll go back there later sometime. But remember James. They endured suffering like Job. They endured Because they knew the end intended by the Lord. They knew. It said, take the prophets who suffered in the name of the Lord. Because they knew there was an end intended. Is there not an end intended for us? Eternity is intended. Glory. Listen, whether it's glory here, of which is going to happen, or it's glory in the great by and by, it's glory regardless of where you experience it. Does that make sense? It's glory. It's glory. And that's the end intended by, for the Lord, for the saints. And then the next thing in chapter 8, verse 26, likewise the Spirit also helps. Say helps. This is what we need. Oh, God, when I think of the things today. In other words, suffering in this present age, you will get to know the helper like you've never known the helper before. I don't know how you word that out if you're taking notes. In other words, in the midst of suffering, I am going to receive help. Somebody once told me that's the greatest prayer you'll ever pray. Help! And I've never forgotten it. So there are times where literally, I don't care how many degrees you give me. Sometimes that's my prayer. Oh God, help! Help! You got to help. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is who? The helper. He is the helper amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. You know, though they think they will undermine my faith and they will rise up and rule, I have a different opinion because of what God has said. And I know the rest of the story. But there's the helper and he helps in the midst of what? And weakness. Do you think? I don't know what scenario is going to play out. We're going to know in the next few weeks. It ain't going to take long for this message to come to pass. Either there'll be some great conflict and we will overthrow those who sought to overthrow us. Or if they were to overthrow us and complete their mission then all bets are off, and I'm going back to the part that says this is the end of the age. And I'm going to prepare people for the end of the world as we know it. Because I know what socialism and what communism is. These other guys, there's some other people that know it in this room too. They know. I've been there. I preached the gospel in those countries. 
I was one of the first ones to preach the gospel in the former Soviet Union. If they had told us, I told you, if they had told us that that was the case, it had scared me to death. I was in my 20s. How old was I? 20? No, no, I was in my 30s. I don't want to tell people how old I am, Shirley. Couldn't, can I, couldn't I have been in my 20s for the sake of the story? Well, anyway, however I was. I'll, 91. All I know is when we stood up on those benches after we got an interpreter, because we didn't have an interpreter, and we got an interpreter supernaturally, I would look at the masses of the people in the Ukraine, the Ukraine today, the USSR, and the tears that were rolling down their faces. They had not heard the gospel for 70 years. For 70 years they had been told there was no God, or God was their enemy. And I got to preach John 3.16 to people that had never heard that before. It was an amazing thing. And every time we gave the invitation, beginning with the interpreter, who, who was an atheist, until, until she heard the gospel and said, I want that. But every time we gave the invitation, people would raise their hands by the hundreds and hundreds. And we went to city after city, park after park, preaching John 3.16. It was the most amazing time. But I've lived in those countries. I haven't lived in them, but I've been there. And a lot of things are going to be come to fruition in the next couple of weeks. So let's go now. The next thing, Romans 8, 28. You got still with me? A couple more. Now, this is the context of Romans 8, 28. The charismatic preachers told us it was about praying in tongues. It could have had something to do with it, but in a larger context, it's in the context of suffering in this present age. And the Holy Spirit is given to help us in our weakness. Yes, prayer is a part of that. Because we don't know what to pray. When you're in the midst of weakness, sometimes you won't know what to pray. Say, God, how am I going to pray? I, have no, I, don't, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. You're weak. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your helper. And verse 28 says, in the context of the whole chapter, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm going to show you in a minute what the purpose is. Everybody see this. So another thing about sufferings, in the context of the suffering, is that all things will work together for good. What things? What things is he talking about? All the things that he's mentioned earlier and he's going to mention from here on out. All these things to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? What's the purpose of God? The ultimate purpose. Look in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know who the many brethren are. Say, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. So what is the ultimate purpose of God? That you and I might be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. That's the purpose. That's what the Spirit helps us 
We're called according to the purpose. And then the next thing, look in verse 31. There's a few more. In the sufferings of this age, we must remember that God is for us. Say, God is for me. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? These things. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the question is, are we for him? Do you know we're going to have the opportunity to prove that? God is going to give everybody an opportunity to determine the answer to that question. We already know God's for us, but are you for him? Are you for him? Will you deny him? Or will you live by faith and not by sight and confess him before men so that he will confess you before the Father in heaven? He's for us. And then the next thing in verse 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so in the sufferings of this present age, God who did not spare his son will not spare every promise. He will provide, he will give what he has promised to give his people. Does that make sense? Romans 8, 28 promises us that but also Matthew 6 says what seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and what will be given to you all things will be given unto you he will freely give us all things therefore he said over in Matthew chapter 6 do not worry do not worry right now you should be laying up some things to eat and drink. If we go into some conflict on the streets, do you think the grocery stores, you think there could be some interruption? And so get some things. Get, I'm as a pastor telling you, get some extra beanie weenies. Get some extra things. Get some extra things. You don't know if the stores are going to stay open. You don't want to have to wait in the line that I saw in the Ukraine. I saw the long line of people to get into the store. And we went in the store because we were Americans. You could break up. But we didn't buy anything. We didn't get anything. But I saw what was in the store next to nothing. Next to nothing. They were waiting in line to get what was next to nothing. And so store up. But what about what happens when you run out? Do not worry. Do, that's what Jesus said. Do not worry what you will eat or what you will drink, for your Father knows what you have need of in that day. That's the kind of people we are. It's okay to buy insurance. It's okay to store up. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What if the people in our friend whom we support in the Philippines, what if none of the people had gotten up on the roof? They said, well, look, My God's going to save me. I'm staying right here in the middle of the street. I don't care what tsunami's coming down the road. God's going to save me. What would have happened to them? They'd have been carried away. So God provided a building so they could get up. I wonder how they got up on that thing. You should see the picture. They're all on top of this long building. I don't know how they got up, but they got up. So there's a time to get on the building, but don't live on the rooftop because you ain't going to survive if you live up there all day. You got to go back down. You're going to have to go fishing. 
You're going to have to spare. You're going to have to seek to save the lost. This is what this is all about. It's all what it's wrapping up in. He will freely give us all things. 33 and 34. Almost. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? There will be many condemners in this hour. Do you know the worst time to judge someone is when the judge is standing at the door? I remember quoting that. And I remember hearing some of the judgments. In any way, I'm just wondering. I'm just saying. I'm just wondering what happened. Because you don't want to be a judge when the judge is standing at the door. It is God who justifies. Who is he condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Is even at the right hand of God, who also makes, say, the intercession, intercession for us. Now, we know if you go back just a few scriptures that he's the one, he's interceding. In other words, in the midst of suffering, remember, Jesus is interceding for you. The word intercede means to plead their cause. I'm wondering... Will what we know ever get to the courts? How many of you know it was voter fraud? I had a dream. I saw there were millions of votes that were either stolen, disregarded, supplanted. I don't know if they're going to come to justice in this life or not. But I know there's a God that will plead my cause. I know there's a God that will be our defense. And he's never lost a case yet. And then look down in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then that next part, somebody should just take that out. For we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things. What things? The things I just read. Now, people have made up these things. Those things they made up do not exist. These things are written in the Word of God. We just read them. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Yet in all these things, we are more, say more, more than conquerors. So, in other words, in the midst of suffering, we must remember we have been given the title as a more than a conqueror. More. That word conqueror means to prevail mightily and to be abundantly victorious. That's how you can quote that scripture that says we always triumph in Christ Jesus. And then the last thing, verse 38, 39, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So the next thing in the suffering to this present age, not for one moment will we be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are loved. You may feel like, God, where did you go? I'm telling you, he's right beside you. He loves you. The word love in this context is the word agape, and it means un, 
unconditional love. It's not based on my performance. Because I thought about God, what if we get to the final time and the suffering is too great and I can't handle it. I've come to my breaking point. You know what God told me? I'm gonna love you anyway. Nothing will separate me from the love that I have, you from the love that I have for you. Nothing, nothing. He will love me until the end. Thank you, Lord.